Welcome to the Toxic Google Podcast, where great minds meet. I'm Lauren, bringing you this episode. Toxic Google brings the world's most influential thinkers, creators, makers, and doers all to one place. Every episode is taken from a video that can be seen at youtube.com slash talks at Google. In this talk, Dr. Justina Sanders discusses the evidence showing that the foods we eat on a mainstream diet contribute to inflammation and chronic disease. She talks about her journey to discovering a whole plant-based lifestyle as the best way to prevent and reverse chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, and lays out a roadmap for adopting a whole plant-based lifestyle and staying truly healthy. Here is Dr. Justina Sanders, your journey to optimal health and well-being. I'd like to thank uh, Google very much for having me, and thank you to Bobby for inviting me here today. So yes, my name is Dr. Justina Sanders, and today I'm going to talk to you about a life-saving, life-changing topic. It is a topic that literally fuels my life, and is how to use lifestyle as medicine, but most importantly, how to use the whole food plant-based lifestyle and how to live it. So I'd like to begin by talking briefly about the current state of our healthcare system. Did you know that each and every single day, around 1,671 people die of heart disease? That's one out of every four deaths. That's 610,000 people dying from one single disease each and every single year. Our healthcare system is in dire need of change. When it comes to bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies in this country are due to healthcare-related costs. It's around 62%. But what's really sad is that the majority of these people, they have health insurance. There's something wrong with this picture. We are one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And yet, we have one of the poorest healthcare systems. Not when it comes to acute care or emergency care. No, we're thriving in that. But when it comes to chronic disease management, we are suffering. And something needs to change before it's too late. When we look at the top 10 leading causes of death, we have heart disease, which is the leading cause of death in America, cancer, chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, kidney disease. All of these diseases, these seven out of 10 diseases, they're all chronic diseases. But not only that, they are lifestyle-related diseases. Most importantly, however, each and every single one of these are completely preventable. Now more than ever before, if you learn how to use lifestyle as medicine, you can prevent from the development of these types of diseases. So it's important to put medicine into your own hands and know how to do that. So you're probably wondering, what is a chronic disease? A chronic disease is a disease that's three months or more in length, so it's persistent. It's the leading cause of death and disability in North America, so Canada included. But what I mentioned before, 
The key is that they're lifestyle-related diseases. So anything from a sedentary lifestyle, to what you eat every single day, to who you surround yourself with, to the negative thoughts that flood your mind on a daily basis, whether or not you have physical activity, these are the things that are key, alcohol consumption and smoking. All of these can potentially develop into something like a chronic disease. There are cumulative effects that happen on a whole body system. So what I want you to take home today, and if there's anything that I say as a one take-home point, is that every single chronic disease stems from systemic inflammation. That means full body. So whatever you do that causes any form of inflammation in your body, that can literally result in any type of chronic disease in the future. So what are the chronic diseases? Here is a list. This is by no means a comprehensive list of diseases, but heart disease, cancer, and all the other diseases I mentioned, inflammatory bowel disease, obesity, arthritis, anything from, uh, from diabetes and MS, autoimmune disease such as lupus, all of these diseases and so, so many more are chronic diseases. And the evidence shows that 70 to 80% of all chronic diseases can be prevented if you learn how to use lifestyle as medicine, of which whole food, plant-based nutrition is of utmost importance. I always say, there's no drug more powerful in the entire world that has the power to prevent, treat, and reverse the vast majority of chronic diseases than using lifestyle as medicine. So I know what you're probably thinking, and many people actually think this. Well, I heard somewhere, whether on Google or from some friend of yours, that it's not necessarily the lifestyle. It's my genes that matter. You know, maybe you have some disease that runs in your family, and you feel like you're destined to get this type of disease. You're going to get it anyway, so you might as well enjoy life, right? So do your genes really matter? Well, the evidence say not as much as we once thought. In fact, 5% or less, 5% or less of all chronic diseases can be attributed solely to your genes. That's it. So 95% are potentially due to your lifestyle. Now, upon doing my research, I found that there's three areas of study that prove the validity and can verify this. So let's first look at migration studies. Migration studies are those in which scientists follow a group of people that migrate from one country to the next. Then they record their lifestyle and dietary habits in that country. And then they measured their age-adjusted rate of chronic disease. So in one particular study by Robertson and Rhodes, they took a group of, actually three groups, of Japanese men. All were of the same genetic pool, similar age, of course, same sex, and same race, living in Japan. One group of men migrated from Japan and moved to Hawaii. Well, then another group of men migrated from Japan, and they moved to California. 
And then scientists looked at their dietary and lifestyle patterns. They recorded them, and then they measured their rate of cardiac age-adjusted heart disease. And they found that the age-adjusted risk of heart disease was the greatest in those living in California. And the reason why, it was the standard American diet that they adopted, where the lowest rates of heart disease were those in the men that remained in Japan. And the reason why is because they were eating less processed and more plant-based foods. So in this case, it was more the lifestyle, not so much the genes that contributed to the development of heart disease. Next was the field of epigenetics. In the field of epigenetics, scientists actually test what the environment, in fact, the environmental effects on our gene, genes are. And so, depending on the environmental stimuli, it can turn genes on or turn genes off and therefore express them or suppress or quiet them down and not express them. So let's say someone has the genes for breast cancer. So they're at risk. They have BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes. And let's say now this person lives an extremely sedentary lifestyle. The diet is filled with animal products that are high in estrogens and hormones. They drink alcohol every single night, which also raises their hormone levels, their estrogen levels. They have poor relationships. They have cortisol surges almost every single day because of their stressful job. And they're extremely unhappy. The risk of that person developing that disease of breast cancer is so much higher because now the environmental stimuli can actually turn the genes on and express those genes. So again, it's not so much the genes, but rather the lifestyle that can turn the genes off or on that can make a difference. And the third field of study is the field of lifestyle medicine itself. So renowned physician and researcher, Dr. Dean Ornish, had some groundbreaking research, and I mean phenomenal. As a physician, this type of research is just unbelievable. It's what you want to hear time and time again. He found that through lifestyle modification, you're able to reverse coronary artery disease. And not only that, he found that he was able to reverse prostate cancer. Incredible. And these four little things are part of his lifestyle modification program. Moderate exercise daily, one hour of meditation or some kind of yoga or mindfulness practice every single day, having love and intimacy, which he calls, so social support. And the fourth concept or aspect of this program is whole food, plant-based nutrition. And that's it. It has been so wildly successful that Medicare actually has funded his program. This, as a physician, makes me excited because this is true medicine. So I know you're probably wondering, well, I go to my doctor all the time, right? Your annual exam, everybody I'm sure goes. <laughs> and yet I have not heard my doctor talk about this at all. Uh, did you go to some special medical school? No, the answer is I did not, and I did not learn this in medical school. So to give you a better understanding of how I got here and how I came to know this information, I'd like to give you a little bit of a glimpse into my past. <laughs> 
So to begin, I was actually born in Poland in one home with four generations under one roof. A lot of people, uh, we never ran out of two things. I always say this, love, had a lot of that, and kielbasa. And for people that might not know what that is, it's Polish sausage. I swear, I ate that for breakfast, and according to my mom, I was six months old the first time I was licking one. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, problems, maybe not. <laughs> and so, that's what my, my relationship with food started off with, with cold cuts, really. And I was eating a lot of pierogies and deep fried donuts, which uh, we called ponczki, and all of these dairy and animal product-based foods. And so when I was around three, my family wanted to leave and flee communism. This was the time of communism in Poland. And it was also a few months after the disaster of Chernobyl. So my family packed myself and my brother up. We, they took two suitcases and we fled to Italy. We were refugees for about a year and then we got accepted into Canada. And so we immigrated there. And let's just say my upbringing in Canada, well, my diet just evolved, okay? Now, not only was I eating the traditional staples, Polish food that I had grown up with, I was now also indulging in the delicacies of the Canadian diet, which consisted of donuts from Tim Hortons, and yes, and sugary refined cereals, and of course, fast food. So my diet was not that great. And in fact, when I was seven years old, I started developing some symptoms. I had headaches, I started developing bloating, and I would tell my mom and dad, and they would brush it off as though it was something, you know, not serious, nothing, some kind of indigestion, and nothing to be worried about, because they had symptoms like that too, so what's to worry, right? Yes, so now moving forward. I've always dreamed of becoming a doctor, so I knew that when choosing a degree, my undergrad, it would have to be pre-med. So I did. I went to a four-year and did a four-year degree at University of McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, in kinesiology. And there, I finally learned about nutrition. Mm -hmm. Not the kind of nutrition I know today. So I went low fat, I started eating grilled chicken and grilled salmon every day and all of this stuff. I was working out five days a week, implementing every single thing I learned to a T because that's what you do when you're a student, right? And so I did and I was loving it and I loved the way my body started looking. I was toned and I looked amazing. But let me tell you, the symptoms got worse. I was suffering so much. You would never know on the outside, and I would hide it with clothes sometimes, but I was bloated to the point where I looked nine months pregnant sometimes. I was developing fibromyalgia pain, and for those who don't know what that is, it almost feels like you're a big bruise, and every part of your body feels tender to the touch. I had cystic acne, I had so many problems with weight gain, and, and this led to a binge eating disorder, on and on and on. And so, there was one point at which I had not gone to the bathroom for two whole weeks. And so I thought, that's it, I should probably go see a doctor and see if this is normal because the things I'm learning in kinesiology, that is not normal. So I did, I sought medical attention. And finally, I thought I was gonna get the answer and I was gonna be cured, I was gonna get something. My doctor told me, you need to stop 
eating those plants with such fibrous tissue and fibrous skins. I'm like, what are you talking about? Tomatoes and apples and celery. These, this was the recommendation. These types of the, were the types of food she told me to avoid because she said and deemed that it was irritating my colon. And it was irritating me to the point that I was backed up. And so I believed her. And not knowing anything better, I just thought, that's it. I am destined for a life eating Metamucil crackers and eating a lot of laxatives and prunes. Okay, that's all I was going to eat. And that was it. So after I graduated, I then went and did my degree in medicine. And this was truly the most wonderful, amazing experience of my life. I remember each and every patient encounter. It was remarkable. I always say that some of the most challenging times in your life are some of the most beautiful and looking back, most rewarding and uh, those moments that you would actually never want to change because they've made you who you are today. And I feel like medicine has, has done that for me. It really, truly made me uh, into a different person and understand empathy and compassion even more so for people. So I love medicine, as always. And in this time, after I actually graduated, I had always wanted to live in California. And so I moved to the United States. And I took a whole year off. I got married, and so I was waiting on a green card, and that was the whole plan, so then I didn't have to do a visa after. So I ended up staying in the United States for that year and feeling terrible, feeling terrible because I was on the high, the peak of my life. I was independent. I had my whole world ahead of me. I was a doctor. I graduated from medical school, and now I was going to make a difference in the health of humanity and serve people in the best way that I thought I could. I was going to make that difference for people in their lives. And here I was at home in isolation, one obstacle after the next, and I had a car accident. Everything just started spiraling out of control to the point where I fell. And when I mean I fell, I fell to that point of depression. And it was scary. But in that year, something crazy happened, crazy good. I went to a lecture provided by the University of Arizona. So I was living in Arizona at this time. And this was a lecture by Dr. Codwell Esselstyn. Now, this was not a typical lecture. I had never gone to something like this, and I was very skeptical, because this was a lecture called Preventing and Reversing Heart Disease Using Diet, specifically plant-based nutrition. I was like, uh-uh. I learned about nutrition, you know, low-fat diet, grilled, grilled this and that, and no, this is not true. But you know what? It was free food nonetheless, and when you're in debt, you go and get free food. So that's what I did, and I went, and literally, from that moment on, I saw this. And I looked at it, I took a moment, and I never looked back. This was a life-changing moment for me. So what you see here is an arteriogram. And in this arteriogram on the left, you see this narrowing. And this is actually someone's heart. So this is a narrowing of the left anterior descending artery, the distal part. And so it's almost frayed, and it looks like there's some kind of plaques. It looks like the blood probably can't go through there very well, can it? And that's what you see there. And on the right, you see the exact same patient. 
And here you see this beautiful left anterior descending artery. It's completely patent. It's opened up. There's blood flow going through it from a diseased heart to a healthy, non-diseased heart. The dates, I mean, I looked at this and I thought, oh my God, are you kidding me? I went through so many years of study, a four-year health degree in kinesiology, a four-year medical degree. I became a doctor and I had never seen or heard anyone talk about this ever before. This was literally my aha moment. I had what you would call a visceral reaction. And when you're sitting there having chills, like I'm kind of feeling right now, run up and down my body, because this was surreal to me. I felt elated because on one hand, I thought, oh my God, I have just cured humanity of every chronic disease. I'm going to share it with the world. And on the other hand, I thought, I am infuriated. How could I have been robbed of this type of information? How could I have not known this? And if I would have, do you know how many lives I could have saved with this information through each and every single one of my patient encounters? Yes, I was upset, but I took that and that fire that burned within me, I literally dove because I was still skeptical. I needed to find out if this was really valid. I dove into research articles and journals, medical journals, and then I, I contacted experts and started reading texts about all this. I started going to medical conferences, the first ever plant-based nutrition and healthcare conference. Yeah, I discovered it. And I went. And so I started engaging myself with this information and learning about it more and more. More to the point where I started learning about using lifestyle as medicine and integrative medicine and functional medicine and Ayurveda and herbalism and all this other stuff. And my mind was blown. The more I learned, the more I realized I needed to learn even more. And as a physician, it started, it, it started, you know, this, this whole wheel of curiosity of like, I don't understand, like how could we go through a system where we don't know this? How as physicians can we really dispense the information that is kind of half information? If you don't have this knowledge, how can you give proper information to your patients? What if your patient comes in with some kind of question about an herb? What if your patient comes in and wants to know how to improve his, his or her lifestyle and how to prevent disease from happening? Prevention. Where was this? Why was this missing in the system that we have? And so all of this curiosity and all of this research, I dove into so many years of research. But at that time, I was faced at basically one of those precipice moments where on the left was residency and something guaranteed and something that it would be part of a system. But on the right was what I saw as a solution because I wanted to be a solution. I did not want to be a part of the problem. So I made the hardest decision of my entire life, and I chose to forego residency, and I chose to go into the unknown and figure it out as I go and use my medical degree and this information to share with people to change and transform the health of humanity, because this is essential. So. That's when I decided to launch my website. And this was just two years ago when I finally launched this, prescriptionlifestyle.com. And it's a free, evidence-based site where I can share information with you on 
whole food plant-based nutrition and using lifestyle as medicine and of course encompassing all different forms of medicine such as integrative medicine and, and functional medicine which focuses on the underlying cause of disease as opposed to a symptom-based system. So I created this with the foundation of using lifestyle as medicine based on five core lifestyle principles. The principles are the mind. So your psychological, emotional, mental well-being, anything from meditation or getting psychological counseling of any kind or yoga, things like that. The body, so physical activity, but also things like sleep and the microbiome, et cetera, et cetera. And I also like to add in here, which a lot of people don't even know about, but getting comprehensive mineral and vitamin analyses, which your doctor doesn't typically order. I think it's essential to know what your baseline is and what you're working with. Also, social support. Social support, so human-to-human -human interaction and how to enhance that in your life. Environmental impacts, so things like toxins in your water and your cosmetics and food and things like that, radiation, things in our air, and at the core, whole food, plant-based nutrition. And I always deem this as being the essential most important because alone, 30 to 60% of all chronic diseases can be reversed by just implementing this one principle. So what is a whole food, plant-based lifestyle? So I know what a lot of people think, this is a misconception, but a lot of people think a whole food plant-based lifestyle is a vegan lifestyle, period, thank you. Okay, it's not. It's not just that, it's so much more. So what I define a whole food plant-based lifestyle as is a unprocessed vegan lifestyle, not diet, lifestyle. And the reason why, so there are no animal products. So no meat of any kind, no dairy of any kind, including no eggs at all. But it's also unprocessed. So the refined carbohydrates, that doesn't mean you can't have bread, just not the refined kind. And things that are very much processed in nature and very much chemically ridden, uh, laden in ingredients. So that is what a whole food plant-based lifestyle is. But also, what I like to add is organic, non-GMO, whatever possible, and nutrient-dense. So you want to fill your plate up with as many nutrient-dense foods. That means the most bang for your buck. You put a lot of money into your car, or some people put a lot of money into their looks. How about we put a lot of money into those microgreens? We put a lot of money into our sprouts, our herbs, and different things that can make our dish is so rich in nutri nutrition and that will actually prevent you from aging and developing all these diseases. So why would you ever want to adopt this or any other lifestyle habit for that matter? I say that it's important to learn your whys. My saying is that knowledge is the gateway to your health. Once you develop that, then you could do something about it. So knowledge, it doesn't equal power. It's a gateway. And what you have to do is find out what your why is. I can't tell you what your why is. I can't tell you what your why is or you. But you, everybody, has an individual why they would want to adopt using lifestyle as medicine or becoming whole food plant-based. That's up to you, and I can't make you do that. 
I can only stand here and try to give you the information, stir up some curiosity in you, and get you to go and find out the answers for yourself and maybe make that change for yourself. So hopefully I will inspire you to do so. So if you find your why, I always say it's like your key. You use your why, you open up the gateway, you step onto the other side, and that is where change happens. So why not? Why not? So why not animal products? Saturated fat and cholesterol, increasing your LDL cholesterol, increasing risk of heart disease and stroke. Why not animal products? Protein excess. We are getting far too much protein in America. The question should not be, are you getting enough protein? It should be, are you getting enough fiber? We do not have the diagnosis called kwashiorkor, where you have bloating and skinny atrophy types of um, limbs. We do not have that diagnosis in America. That is not a problem we have. So we don't have a problem with protein, but we do have a problem with fiber. So I want to start changing the language when it comes to this. In fact, protein excess can cause acid overload, which can cause our kidneys to become toxic. Our diets should only be 6 to 10% of protein, of which it should be plant-based. That's it. Hormones, so why not animal products? Hormones, exogenous, so what is injected into animal products or into the animal itself, uh, such as growth hormones, and endogenous, within the animals themselves, they have their own hormones. They are animals, they have their own levels of hormones. So whenever you ingest any animal product, you are ingesting their hormones, period. And so, who would want that? This can lead to things such as acne and things such as early menstruation, which we're seeing a lot in young, young women. We're seeing it younger and younger. People are getting their periods. But worst of all, cancer. Antibiotics. Antibiotics that are in the actual animal products themselves. What do antibiotics do? Antibiotics kill bacteria, right? So in our guts, I don't know if you're aware, but we have this thing called the microbiome. We have trillions and trillions of microbes, or viruses and things like that, but microbes that are bacterial-based and mostly. And so what happens when we eat these antibiotics? What do you think we're doing to our own microbiome? These are species that protect us. 70% of our immune system is in the gut. They synthesize vitamins for us. They synthesize minerals for us. They help us in so many different ways. And what I always say is we should find ways to create a symbiotic relationship with our gut microbes. We should start learning not just what I want to eat, but what do my gut microbes want to eat? What will make them thrive, which will in turn make me thrive and make me have a good health outcome? Inflammation, so inflammatory mediators get released when you eat animal products. A lot of people don't know this. So these measures called C-reactive protein and insulin-like growth factor one and interleukin six, all of these cytokines and inflammatory mediators get released. 
What happens then if you eat that meal with an animal product in it and all of a sudden a virus comes by and it wants to attack your body? Well, your body is already going in, you have low-grade inflammation here and your immune system is trying to fight off that low-grade inflammation. It will not be able to fight off this virus as well if it was not in overdrive. Glycotoxins. So many people don't know this, but eating chicken, beef and fish, but mostly chicken, you are ingesting these toxins called glycotoxins, called advanced glycation end products. These toxins are neurotoxins that suppress these anti-aging proteins called sirtuins. These are proteins that protect the brain from shrinking. Who wants that? And there's actually some science that has been showing that this is potentially one of the mechanisms for Alzheimer's, but also for other forms of dementia. Nitrosamines. Eating animal products with decaying meat in our colon for a prolonged period of time without defecating and not being regular, well, they actually release a byproduct called nitrosamines, which are actually carcinogenic, mostly for colon cancer. The protein constituents themselves, so such as casein in cow's milk, are, is linked to the promotion stage of cancer. And then things such as viruses and bacteria, such as E. coli and salmonella, all of these things are also found in animal proteins or animal products. Why not animal products? Because of insulin resistance. Get this, the number one cause of insulin resistance is not refined carbohydrates. Right. The number one cause of insulin resistance, which as you probably know leads to diabetes, is due to animal products, meat specifically, the saturated fat and cholesterol. The mechanism behind this that we did not learn in medical school was intramyocellular fat deposition. So what happens when you eat a meal with sugar? right? You have glucose in your bloodstream and you need that glucose to fuel your muscles. You need to use your muscles. You want to flex it so you need it. So your glucose is in your blood. Your insulin gets released from your pancreas. It now needs to go to where that glucose needs to get taken up by whichever muscle. So we have this muscle cell right here and then we have this insulin. It goes and it binds to its receptor on its muscle cell. And then the glucose comes in and then it flows right through. It's like a channel that's formed. And that's how we get energy into our cells whenever we need it. Well, what happens when we have intramyocellular fat deposition is that the fat actually clogs up this portion of the cell where the receptor is that would normally allow insulin to bind to it. Well, it won't allow it to bind to it. So insulin doesn't work as well as it used to. And so we're not uptaking the glucose. This causes glycosylation. And in the end, this is the number one reason for insulin resistance. Processed meat. So in 2015, the World Health Organization labeled processed meat as a level one carcinogen. That is the same level as cigarette smoking. That's your bacon, your sausages, your hot dog, and the kibasa, okay? The cold cuts. That's right. So I always ask parents specifically, if you wouldn't allow your child to smoke a cigarette, 
would you allow them then to smoke, eat a hot dog? I don't think so. Dysbiosis. So dysbiosis of your own microbiome. So we have different strains of bacterial species in our guts. And depending if you're a meat eater versus non-meat eater, scientists have actually discovered that we have different, completely different strains of bacteria. And some are good bacteria and help you thrive, and some are bad bacteria and contribute to the development of disease. Yeah. So trimethylamine oxide. So when you eat meat, you eat lecithin and carnitin, and the bacteria that you have in your gut as a meat eater converts that to trimethylamine. Then it goes into your liver, which converts it to trimethylamine oxide. And scientists have found that this is an atherogenic chemical. What does that mean? That it causes atherosclerosis. So that will lead to the development, potentially, of heart disease and stroke and vascular disease on the whole. Right, but plant-based eaters, they don't have the gut microbes that can produce this type of chemical. How wonderful. Heme iron. So heme iron is carcinogenic on its own. You should be ingesting non-heme iron. Why not animal products? Chemicals contained within the animals themselves. Fish, for instance. If you're ingesting fish, I used to eat sushi five, four or five times a week. I loved it. But had I known what was really in it, I would never have ate it. PCBs petrochemicals, microplastics, dioxins, endocrine disruptors. This is your meal when you eat fish. And it can lead to so many problems with your own endocrine system, your own hormones, and can lead to the development of cancer and so many other diseases, including autoimmune diseases and whatnot. Chemicals produced from cooking meat themselves, like heterocyclic amines when you cook meat, are carcinogenic. And casomorphines, if you've ever been addicted to cheese, this is why. Casomorphines are found in dairy, and they're types of hormone-like substances that actually bind to the same opiate receptors in your brain the way that heroin does. All I have to say is those food manufacturers, they truly know what they're doing. Why not processed food? Well, why not? Why not oil? Oil is stripped of nutrition. You take a whole intact, beautiful plant food. You take out all the oil, and that's all you've got left. And you've left the fiber, the phytonutrients, and all those wonderful enzymes and everything that plant has to offer. And you're just left with the oil. Science has found that, and it's in research journals, medical journals, that Oil, including olive oil and coconut oil, actually damages the innermost lining of our blood vessels. Those are the endothelial cells. That is what predisposes you to developing those atherosclerotic plaques. Why else not oil? We are getting far too many six, uh, omega-6 fatty acids in our diet in the form of oil and far too little omega-3 fatty acids. We need to reverse this. We need to be getting more omega-3s and far too, and less omega-6s. 
pro-inflammatory, and then the worst is fried food when you have those trans fats, which are hydrogenated oils. And this increases your triglycerides, which is one of the worst risk factors for vascular disease. Why not refined flour or refined sugar? Again, it's stripped of nutrition. You take it from the whole plant, and then you're left with this powder, and that's all you have. It's pro-inflammatory. It can cause and lead to diabetes, obesity, and weight gain. And what we are now seeing in hospitals all across the nation is a disease called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in rates that we've never seen before. And this is one of the reasons. Why not chemicals in processed foods? So we have artificial sweeteners. Why not artificial sweeteners such as sucralose or aspartame? Because it can cause dysbiosis of your own microbiome, as well as inflammation and lead to inflammatory bowel diseases. Why not high fructose corn syrup? That's delicious, right? Because again, it can lead to non-alcoholic liver disease, and as well as diabetes and obesity. And why not MSG? It's an excitotoxin. Excitotoxin that can lead to hyperactivity and disrupted learning. Why not food that is not organic? And why not food that is GMO? Pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, chlorpyrophyros, which in Europe has been banned. Why hasn't it been banned here? It's been linked to neurological developmental disorders. But yet we haven't banned it in the United States. Glyphosate, which is a carcinogen. Why would you want to eat carcinogens? Endocrine disruptors. And it has been linked to Parkinson's. And Bt toxin, which has been found in GMOs, Bt toxin actually perforates the lining in gut microbes. So I ask always, what do you think it's doing to your gut lining? I always say too, if you can't do 100% organic, then please do refer to the Environmental Working Group. They have a phenomenal Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 chart. And in fact, just a few weeks ago, they came up with an updated version, so you can refer to that. Why not alcohol? This is a very touchy spot for many people, but alcohol, not even a glass a day, is good for you. No. It has been linked to all different cancers, breast cancer, prostate cancer, esophageal cancer, oral cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer. Can I keep going? Please stop me. It is so dangerous. Gastrointestinal reflux disease, liver disease, liver failure, kidney disease, hypertension. If you take a Petri dish in a science lab and you put a human cell on it, and then you pour alcohol on top of it, Guess what happens? The cell, actually, you can see the proteins start denaturing and fraying. They start splitting. And that, if you think about it, if you keep doing it every day and every day and every day, the cumulative effect, what do you think it's doing to your body on a whole? It causes premature aging and it suppresses your stem cells. Suppresses your stem cells. Why not unfiltered water? Because of arsenic and fluoride and all of those pharmaceutical drugs that people dump into the water system, pathogenic bacteria and PCBs and the heavy, heavy metals, you definitely want to be using a filter.
a very good one, and if not, then you want to go and get some filtered water from the store. So, finally, why would you ever even want to adopt a whole food plant-based lifestyle, right? Why to do this? Number one, it is the most important principle of using lifestyle as medicine, and it is the only diet on planet Earth that has ever been shown to reverse heart disease. End of story, period. And if that's not a reason alone, I don't know what is. It is a phenomenal way to prevent, treat, and reverse the vast majority of chronic diseases. Longevity. Who doesn't want to live a long, but long and healthy life? Not just a long life, but a long and healthy life. Well, the longest living cultures in the world called centenarians, so people who live 100 plus years or older. And these people have actually been shown to adopt a predominantly whole food plant-based lifestyle. So yeah, if they do it, and these are actually the blue zones. So if you've ever heard of Dan Buettner's work, the blue zones are places such as Loma Linda in California, believe it or not, but other places like Sardinia and in Italy and Okinawa and Japan, etc. It is the best weight loss program you will ever be on, I promise. There are an abundance of phytonutrients, and this is my favorite part because this is often overlooked on this lifestyle, and I feel like it needs its place to shine. Phytonutrients are extremely important in our bodies. We get these from whole intact plant foods. Scientists have found that there's about 800 or so bioactive amines. These are your polyphenols, such as your bioflavonoids, your carotenoids. These are chemicals like turmeric, curcumin in your turmeric. You've heard of curcumin, you've heard of turmeric, I'm sure. What about catechins in green tea or resveratrol in grapes? What about sulforaphane and broccoli or broccoli sprouts? These are fascinating, brilliant chemicals that work like an orchestra in synergy with each other in whole intact plants that you cannot get from just a supplement. You have to get it from the whole plant. And they work to repair our own DNA through various different mechanisms. They decrease your, decrease your overall oxidative stress. They're super antioxidant and they Scientists are really truly just starting the tip of the iceberg to figure out what their potential is and what roles they play on our bodies on a whole. Remarkable. I love that topic. Anti-inflammation or anti-inflammatory. That's the diet, but it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. So yes, it decreases your overall inflammation in your body, decreases your C-reactive proteins and your interleukin-6, and on and on. And it inhibits this process called angiogenesis. So tumor cells, when they grow and they want to spread throughout your body called metastases, they use a process called angiogenesis to grow brand new vessels. Well, whole food plant-based nutrition that's abundant in things such as phytoestrogens, phytoestrogens from plants such as organic soy and omega-3 fatty acids, they actually inhibit angiogenesis. Remarkable. Why adopt a whole food plant-based lifestyle? Because it's the highest source of fiber. It's the highest source. And I always say, if you're looking for the next detox, 
This is it. It is the best detox in the entire world. In fact, did you know that only 3% of the U.S. population gets enough fiber in their diet? 3%. Please, let's start asking, well, do you get enough fiber or how do you get enough fiber in your diet? Where do you get your fiber from? I would love for us to change that conversation again. We should be getting around 25 grams of soluble fiber and around 45 grams of insoluble fiber every single day. So soluble fiber are things from your nuts and seeds and beans, and insoluble fiber are things from your whole grains. And what these do is soluble fiber actually lowers your LDL cholesterol by decreasing its reabsorption at the level of the gut. And your soluble fiber, it not only changes the pH in your gut to an optimum pH, it actually helps to bind all of those metals and all of those toxins and everything and bulk up your stool for you. Awesome. Resistant starch. So along with fiber, our microbiome, it thrives on a certain food. Prebiotics, fiber, resistant starch. We need these things in our life to feed the microbes that literally feed our health. All the vitamins and all the minerals you can ever want are on this type of lifestyle. Every single amino acid, yes, that's non-essential and essential amino acid is on this type of lifestyle. The only vitamin or vitamin that you might require is a vitamin B12 or vitamin D. And I would definitely recommend getting some kind of omega-3 in the form of algae, not fish oil or fish. Algae, the source where the fish get their omega-3s from, is the algae. So something like chlorella, and you could throw that in your smoothie or something like that every day. Phytates. They increase your natural killer cells and have in, in studies been shown to inhibit cancers. You have more energy, improved mood, your taste buds take flight. So if you are a foodie, this is your lifestyle because I can promise you, I have never been so creative with recipes and just having so much fun with making my own cheeses at home out of four ingredients. Who knew cashews can taste like cheese? Overall, it's a fast type of food because if you learn how to make it yourself, it doesn't take much time, and that's that. So, what does a whole food, plant-based lifestyle look like? There was nothing that I could find, so I created a pyramid for everybody. So here's the whole food, plant-based food pyramid. And every single level, you can actually uh, go on my website for free. Everything's free on there. And you could click on every single level and to give you an idea of what, what is in each level specifically. But very briefly, the first level is your filtered water and all of these beautiful herbs that you can then infuse in your water to make it flavorful. You can also infuse fruits and different types of spices and herbs. And then the second level is all your leafy greens. So your spinach and your chard and your kale and arugula, et cetera. Then on the left here, we have the cruciferous vegetables because they're huge anti-cancer benefits. And then over here, we have a wide variety of mixed, mixed vegetables. I would like to specifically add, though, to get prebiotic-rich vegetables 
almost every day if possible. These are things like asparagus or hickory, things like that. And that, the reason why is that that is the food, direct food for your microbiome, just like fiber is. And also allium vegetables, which have extremely beneficial um, effects on our body as a whole. These allium vegetables are things such as garlic and leeks and onions. Who doesn't like those? <laughs> the next level is fruits, all fruits you can think of, and then whole grains. Whole grains, not whole wheat. There is a difference. Then we have different types of seeds. So flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, sunflower seeds, any seeds. And all of these over here, so different types of legumes and beans and lentils and peas and things like that. This is probably my favorite level and it's microgreens and sprouts and all of these phytonutrient rich things such as herbs of all different kinds, both culinary and medicinal herbs, as well as turmeric root and ginger root. And this right here are your probiotics, but they're non-dairy probiotics. So things such as tempeh and kimchi and kefir and things like sauerkraut. I grew up Polish. I didn't give up that, right? <laughs> and over here is another very often overlooked category in the whole food plant-based world. And this is where I get my iodine from and where I recommend people get their iodine from. Seaweed, seaweed of different kinds, wakame and kelp and nori, etc. And mushrooms, so we have medicinal mushrooms or even white button mushrooms of all different kinds that you should be getting. And they have tremendous, again, effects on your total health. And right here, this little category are fats. Healthy, whole, intact fats that are not oil, but they're things such as nuts and avocados and coconuts, so that's that. I came up with tips and tricks for everybody that you can go on my website and check out for yourself and learn more about this lifestyle if you're interested. But things such as optimizing the bottom half and minimizing the top half. But really, you can eat as much as you want on this lifestyle just to feel full and satiated. And that's the key, flavor, Without, or without flavor, you've got nothing. You gotta have the flavor in the nutrition, right? To make it sustainable, you have to have flavor. So I encourage people to use all these spices and herbs all the time. Again, on this type of lifestyle, I recommend taking around 2,000 uh, international units of vitamin D if and only if you don't have any sun exposure. In sunny California, we're very fortunate, but some people stay indoors all the time and never see the sunshine. It might be a good idea. Also, vitamin B12. You can get it in fortified foods, such as nutritional yeast, which is a fantastic cheese alternative. You can throw it in and make cheese sauces with it, make pasta with, oh my gosh, it's just so good. And yes, yeah, so fortified foods, you can get your B12 from that, but otherwise, it would be recommended to take one B12 supplement a day. Even though our liver stores it for up to three to five years, we should still, science says, be taking it every single day. And like I mentioned before, you should be getting around 250 milligrams a day of your DHA, which is your algae-based omega-3 fatty acids. 
Now, people might think, well, I eat flax seeds. Okay, that's great. You're getting your ALA. But you want the DHA, which is actually extremely difficult to get in a diet, anybody's diet. I don't care what diet you're on, it's really hard. So I always say go to the source. Don't go to the fish who then went to the source, go directly to the source, which is the algae. And the favorite algae that I like to recommend is chlorella. It's a non-blue-green algae, it's a simple green algae. So there's no link to things like BMAA, which is a toxin, um, which could be something that um, I've read about spirulina, since it's a blue-green algae, could be linked to ALS. But stick to chlorella. So. Lifestyle is medicine. Remember, for those people who are scared, <laughs> it's not a diet, it's lifelong, and therefore it's a lifestyle. You're not giving up anything. In fact, you're gaining everything, and that's your health, for without it, you have nothing at all. I always say that health is your greatest investment. So keys to transition, go slow, go in a stepwise progression. Learn your whys. Remember, to move beyond the cultural limitations from a Polish traditional diet, I moved away from it. There's no deprivation, you can eat as much as you want. Focus on nutrient-dense foods. Find what works for you in terms of alternatives to your favorite meals. Buy in bulk, and remember, Start with the food pyramid. Look at that, get curious, and see if you can just start making slow and little changes day by day in your lifestyle. Be mindful and make each bite count. I would say before you take that bite, ask yourself, is this going to hurt or is this going to heal me? Remember, it's not that you can't, it's that you just don't want to. So whatever setting you're in, let's say you're in a restaurant or you're at someone's house and they offer you something, you don't have to feel embarrassed. This isn't something that maybe you're missing out on. It's okay. Your body matters the most to you. Without it, you have nothing. Your health is the most important. So it's okay to say no and it's okay to celebrate that and say, you know what? It's not that I can't. I just don't want that. I'd, I'd rather something else. Key points to keep in mind. Weight doesn't equal necessarily health. Just because you're skinny does not mean you're healthy. Remember what truly defines a healthy lifestyle. Moderation kills. I say this all the time. Would you rather have a moderate heart attack or a full-blown heart attack? Everything you do every single day, it's cumulative and it affects your health. In order to live a healthy lifestyle, though, you have to become habitual in nature. And remember, key point, your fate does not lie in the hands of your genes. So this was my journey. My journey then, I had cystic acne at various points in my life. I was bloated. I was 30 pounds overweight. I was extremely in so much pain from the chronic constipation, 50 plus years without an answer, yo-yo dieting, that's what I looked like. And on the right, you probably think, wow, pillar of health, toned, healthy, skinny, couldn't be further from the truth. This was during the time I was in kinesiology, working out five days a week, implementing everything I learned. I looked so healthy on the outside. 
But on the inside, this is still going on. I was still suffering. It wasn't until I discovered whole food plant-based nutrition after graduating from medicine that I started implementing this lifestyle for myself. I started practicing what I preach because I believe that to become a good teacher and a good doctor, you must do that. You must practice what you preach. And I did that. And I implemented it. And all those symptoms went away my endometriosis, which I didn't mention, and all of these other inflammation types of processes that were happening in my body started to dissipate one after the next after the next, as if I was on some medication. And I was never on a medication other than laxatives, and I'm not on a medication today, and I can tell you that years, now it's been six years plus later, I have been thriving on this lifestyle and I love it more than ever because I see that it works and I speak with utmost conviction because I know what it can do to people and their health. And it makes me want to cry because again, I didn't learn this a long time ago, but I'm feeling so fortunate and grateful that I can share this information with people today and that maybe, just maybe, just maybe I can empower or inspire you, even if just by an ounce, to just, like I said, get curious and see if maybe you can implement some of this for yourself. So what does your health journey look like? How will you rewrite your future? I would love for you guys to all become a part of my journey and my vision for transforming the future of healthcare by using lifestyle as medicine and changing the system that way. I envision a system that merges all disciplines of medicine into one practice, whose primary focus is on prevention, uncovering the underlying cause of disease, and revering lifestyle as medicine. Beyond science, medicine is a healing art a magnificent orchestration of five core lifestyle principles. Environmental impacts are often a hidden burden on our health. Embrace a state of physical well-being. Our bodies are designed to move. Love your body and it will love you back. Mental, emotional, psychological welfare is absolutely crucial to your health. So meditate, breathe, be mindful. The mind-body connection is paramount. What you believe has the power to dictate your innate healing capacity. As doctors, we pledge to do no harm. Yet why do we dismiss using food as medicine? Whole food, plant-based nutrition is the foundation and answer to much of the disease that plagues our world. Our social interactions have the power to heal Surround yourself with those who support, respect, and love you. My name is Dr. Justina Sanders, and I have a vision to radically transform medicine. Optimum health begins with a choice. It's what you do each day that will ultimately determine your health outcome. Why have we allowed ourselves to become entrapped in this labyrinth of disease, drugs, and more disease? Your body, it's designed to heal itself. Why then have we abandoned our fundamental right to heal the way our bodies intended? We need to remove the veil of unknowingness because I believe that knowledge is the gateway to your health. Join me on this remarkable journey in rediscovering and revolutionizing medicine. 
Become a part of the solution. Take autonomy for your own health. I always say that lifestyle as medicine is the universal drug of the future. But don't wait for tomorrow for the healthcare system to catch up. Start taking your medicine now. I want to sincerely thank you so much again to Google and Bobby for this opportunity. And uh, I want to thank you all for coming. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback about this or any other episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit g.co slash talks at Google slash podcast feedback to leave your comments. To discover more thought-provoking content, you can always find us online at youtube.com slash talks at Google, on our website, google.com slash talks, or via our Twitter handle, at talks at Google. Talk soon!